Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in. We have another great guest. Today's guest is Rory Campbell. I know Rory Campbell as a comedian here in the South Bay area, but he is much more than just a comedian. He is heavily involved in other productions. You can check him out on YouTube, such as Counterproductive Productions, and uh, he has a he produces a lot of great podcasts out there. Um, thank you for those who are tuning in for the first time. Let me tell you that I'm happy to have you guys here. Hope you guys enjoy this conversation. If you want to know more about the JMS Podcast, please visit the JMS Podcast website at jmspodcast.com. You can also follow the JMS Podcast on your social media. You can follow it on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can subscribe to the podcast at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and on SoundCloud. Please check out the latest Dispatches from the Kitchen. It is a new interview uh, with the owner of Home Korean Kitchen. It is a nice little Korean restaurant that's located in downtown San Jose. It is down on Santa Clara Street. And let me tell you guys, it is a great place to get some affordable Korean food. It is so good. That chili paste, oh, so amazing. So so check it out at the website at jmspodcast.com. You can see the uh, my interview with him. And it was a great talk. We had, we talked about how he got started in the restaurant business and how he approached um, building a business in downtown San Jose and how he brought a new level of uh, Korean cuisine to, uh, to, to people who never had Korean food before and yet putting a modern twist to it. So yeah, check that out. Uh, Dispatches from the Kitchen, available now at the JMS Podcast website. All right, guys, let's uh, let's head on over. Let's go talk to Rory Campbell. Let's go see what's he up to. No, that was actually uh, a guest uh, who, Sick. an artist who was here on the podcast. Sick. Uh, this is also where I put my notes. Oh, beautiful. Huh? Yeah. Rory Campbell. Now you say on your set that you are the. Oh, we started. The, uh, we're in. Yeah, we're in. It's happening. That's how it happens. I felt like I felt like I saw this production value. I expected like intro music, uh-huh. a guy wearing like headphones to point at me, be like, "Yeah." <laughs> no, like, I, clapboard. I, even though it's audio, I, I, I like to just dive right into it with Bang. my guests. Just, right, just they, they don't even see me coming. Here we go. Here we go. They don't even see you coming. <laughs> How's the whiskey, by the way? Oh, delicious. Yeah, man. It's, it's, I'm telling you, it's top shelf stuff. He goes, you want a water? I'm like, do you have whiskey? He goes, what kind of whiskey do you drink? I'm like, wet kind? Like Jameson? And he comes out with whiskey that's in like a box. And it's fucking spectacular. What is it? Uh, it's Middleton. Middleton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's good for drinking in the middle of the day, apparently. Well, it's like noon when we're drinking whiskey. Well, what's, what's interesting up? about this whiskey is once you buy a box, it actually comes with like um, a pass... To go to the distillery in, oh, for real? in Scotland. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. So so Oh I, like a distillery tour. Alright. That's yeah. sick. Yeah, yeah. So so if I go to Scotland and I bring my the, the, the little pass that comes with the with each box, I get in for free. Dude though. Yeah. Be sick if we went deeper and there was like a plane ticket. Got <laughs> Aerolingus. You're like, what the fuck? That would have been nice. This whiskey's amazing. <laughs> Like nine thousand dollar bottle of whiskey. <laughs> like now, it makes sense. The, 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 the I feel like it was mostly the ticket. Yeah, like, it, uh, the kind of whiskey where you, when you drink it, when you wake up in another city, uh, like it makes sense. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You could time travel with this whiskey. That's about it. 
Blackout, wake up on Tuesday. Like, now, Rory Campbell, uh, I know you as a stand-up comedian. Sweet. That's how, that's how I got to know you. Nice. But you totally blew my mind and how involved you are, like behind the scenes producing of other podcasts and yeah, and, and really involved with the uh, with the uh, community into hip hop and and raps and stuff like that. But before we get there, though, taking for the beginning, what were you uh, born and raised? Uh, I was actually born in Chico, California. Born in Chico? Chico, California. You're the first person to ever tell me that. Yeah, yeah. Usually yeah. people migrate to Chico. <laughs> yeah, right. Some never leave. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just go back for like court dates. Like that's it. <laughs> like that's the only reason people go to Chico now. Uh, my parents are Irish immigrants. My sister was born in Ireland. Uh, I my mom's one of nine in Ireland. Uh, uh, nine brothers and sisters. Yeah. So I have like hundreds of cousins in Ireland. Uh, so first American born. My my folks came out here and my dad had a job in I think it was like Paradise, California or Chico around there. And I was born in a Chico Hospital. What line of work was he in? Um, he he was he worked with people with developmental disabilities to get them like jobs in the community, kind of oh. get them out of mental hospitals and out. Interesting, and about. like uh, like a social worker. Y- yeah, yeah, yeah. So he ran um, a couple couple little nonprofits, and uh, they basically uh, basically in the eighties they closed down a lot of the mental. Health institutions. I don't know the terminology. You know what I mean. Asylums. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So a lot of people <laughs> came into the community and uh, varying degrees of ability. So the, the ones that were sort of like you know able to sort of be part of uh, the community, mm-hmm. um, they worked really hard to get them out there. So that's what he did. But then they moved um, to the East Coast when I was like one. So I have no recollection of Chico or California at all. But I'm technically California born. Okay, so but, uh, but grew up my formative years in uh, Massachusetts. How about your mom? What line of work was she in? She was a, t- a school teacher. Okay. Yeah. What, so, what what grade? Uh, preschool mostly. Did, yeah, yeah. Did were you one of her students? I was not. Well, yeah. I mean, sort of like at home. She was like she was like <laughs> she was the she was the lady that like like everyone remembers the lady that like their parents would go to work and they would drop their parents off with the mom. That was like my mom. My mom had like three or four kids like all summer. That would like other parents like drop the kids off so my summers were sick it would be like really? I never, four or five kids just would show up every day Monday through Friday I never heard of that yeah, yeah. so parents could like drop off kids at a teacher's well, house for the summer no 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 it wasn't, she wasn't a teacher yet she was like just uh, getting into it she was like uh-huh. babysitting basically got it uh, but then but then uh Went from there, got her like associates, I guess, for teaching, and then just went into preschool. And now she she's like the director of a of a, a little uh, preschool up in Cupertino somewhere. Cool. Yeah. So every summer, yeah, like these like new yeah, friends, yeah, pretty exactly. much. Exactly. Boom. So the whole summer is like yeah. from very early on, and, like super social and like you know, and just that's already tons adding of personalities and shit. Right. You know? And that's already adding to 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 your siblings, right? How many siblings you said you had? I I only have one. My mom is one of nine. Oh, that's what so, I'm saying. So I, I had to, like this experience. So it's of just you and your older sister. Yeah, me and my older sister. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And how was growing up with that dynamic with all these uh, all these kids? I mean, it was fun. Did, did you feel it was like, fucking fun, do, man? It was we, like it were was, you like the leader of the pack? Yeah, it was like it was like standing out front of a comedy club. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like all the different weirdos that would like just be hanging out and like really? telling stories and having fun. You already, know what I'm already in preschool and with broken dreams. <laughs> exactly. Is They're all like? alcoholic. A bunch of alcoholic preschoolers <laughs> would show up. <laughs> Maybe they weren't alcoholic, but they were definitely probably kicking some kind of in utero drugs. Like that's probably what was happening no but you know what i mean like people would just show up and um um it was super social and fun i just remember summers being sick for that reason and where in the east coast did they settle 
uh, Western Massachusetts. So it's like... Um, Which makes sense. I, I got to admit, I was a little surprised that when your parents immigrated as Irish, yeah. they came to Chico. I thought it was a little random, but then it makes sense for them there to migrate. There was some connection with like a job, but then okay. yeah, yeah. But then they found all the other Irish people. They're yeah. like, wait a minute. They're all here. What's in, going on? In Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Plus, you'll just die out here if, like, if you're 100% Irish. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Right. We're genetically predisposed to be living in like a bog. Right. And like all of a sudden you put them in like fucking Encino and just watch them wilt. You know? Uh-huh. You know? They had to get shriveled up. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, but they they headed back east. He, uh, I think my dad went to school. I think it was UMass at the time. And that was the reason they went back there. And, uh, yeah. And that's where all the like angry, big-eared Irish folks like me were. And mm. uh, that's that's why I talk like this. And am <laughs> so- oddly aggressive in the wrong times <laughs> but it seems like early on you you had this bravado into like performance it seems Cause you, uh, i don't know man i think i think I'm, I'm more on the side of a lot of a lot of the um comics that were sort of like shy or like least reserved and then they like to get they like to go kind of perform to get some sort of like like mega dose of like like facing that shit you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and i think that's why i was producing so much early you know my track was kind of behind the camera or behind the scenes uh, but I always wanted to do stand-up. So stand-up's the first one where I'm really kind of coming out from behind the camera. You know what I'm saying? At so, what age was stand-up like a, a viable I've, thing I've for you? I've always been doing Oh, I've always want, I always followed stand-up. Always, like, kind of thought of it. Always, you know. Who, who, who are your influences early on? Um, super early on, uh, I remember getting the introduced Clay tape. Oh. And it was just like, oh, my God. Got, like, the rock and yeah, roll side like, of it was like comedy. Just like porn, dude. You had to, like, hide it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you hid your dice clay tape next to your fucking hustler yeah. you know what I mean but no that shit made the um, Jerky Boys remember the Jerky Boys original Jerky Boys I don't recall oh, ju- look up Jerky Boys they were basically like um, like crank anchors remember the phone call yeah. shit so Jerky Boys yeah, yeah they had a tape that was out and it was really fun they just call up random people and do characters and prank calls and uh, that was like a big influence and then uh, Prior my uncle had a, a Prior record that they play all the time and that was similar to like better than dice clay uh it was like uh, like dice was kind of like the mcdonald's sandwich of it you're like oh this is delicious but then prior was like a gourmet burger and you're like oh shit like it's still like edgy as fuck but this is like on another level like, how old were you shit. when you're listening to prior uh just i don't know like like what six seven eight really nine, and, and, i had an older sister and did you understand the context of the jokes no he said like fuck words and it was fucking and people were laughing and i'm like they're laughing they're not telling them to stop that's the key like, to comedy. Like, like, what, what is he doing <laughs> what are the other words he's saying that is talking them into clapping uh-huh. no i mean you know not on that level i mean just in terms of being aware of it and of being out there i'd i'd uh older sister um um who I was close to when we grew, you know, grew up. But uh, you know, she would have her friends over and all that. So I was always, I was always like the little brother hanging out with like her and all her friends, and they'd be doing some like four or five years ahead shit, mm-hmm. and I'd just be like taking it in. So it'd be that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, her boyfriends would always want to like two things. They'd want to like like give me shit like that, like an Andrew Dice clay tape, or they'd want to like fucking blow pot smoke in my face like I was a puppy <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean like they either want to you know what I'm saying like so the, in, in, yeah. instead of having the older brother introduce you to these kind of things you had the your sister's boyfriend <laughs> yes exactly taking on I, that I role don't, I don't give the impression my sister had a lot of boyfriends you know right. she was, you know what I'm saying but uh, it, it was more of like her friends and you know boyfriends and shit you know what I'm saying <laughs> 
talking shit about my sister. Now I love I love you, sis. You know, you know. So you know it's true. You know see you know Stevie Chimero was out there with that with that snowmobile. Yeah. Who fuck shit, you know. <laughs> yeah, man, living out in the snow, man. How was that? I can't it fucking sucked, man. I can't imagine oh, it fucking me sucked. being in that situation. It fucking sucked. There there there's things that was cool about it, like for sure, like um like your redneck buddy would have a snowmobile and he'd just show up like fucking loaded on a snowmobile come on like hand you a fucked up helmet that didn't fit right and you all take off into the woods like you know what I mean like you know so there was fun shit but uh, there's not like a lot of Californians that haven't had to deal with that and don't get me wrong you have to deal with shaking earth and all kinds of other shit but uh, when it snows and it really snows like everything's shut down like you're not going to work Hmm. you're left with whatever was in your fucking fridge that you had yesterday oh shit and uh, things are not looking good, and it's not like it's not like Edward Scissorhands end of movie flaky beautiful Winona Ryder twisting in the breeze snow. We're talking about like sleet rain, Ugh. the kind of snow that falls and then it rains over it and it like puts a ice shell over the other snow, yeah. and then it snows again on top of that. So you just know everything outside is terrible. You could be stuck in your house for like two days. Holy shit! Yeah. God damn. No, people die. Like old people die. You know I mean, what I mean? It's like a- like old people that like live in Worcester. And uh, their their only son is in like Connecticut, and you know two feet of snow just fell, and there's no shot at getting to her in time. You Jesus know? Christ! Yeah, you would hear about that all the time. Oh man! Yeah, you know? but it was fun. I mean, there was cool stuff about it. I wasn't into skiing and all that shit. I, in hindsight, that would have been cool. What, what what stuff were you into? I like basketball a lot. So when, a, when, when winter would come around, it was like, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Growing up, basketball was like my thing, like for sure. Played AU, played high school ball, like the whole, the whole nine. Were you like a Celtics fan or something? Yeah, fuck yeah. Came up on Bird, McHale. Oh, man. You know, um, love Paul Pierce, that whole era. Um, was there for the bias death? Not there. I wasn't there. Mm. I would, that probably was a cracking party. You know that reference? Did you just get that reference? I no? did not. Okay. No. But have you gone to their games? Oh, yeah, yeah. Boston Garden, the old Boston Garden. Yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. So it looks like you had a pretty good childhood, it seems. Fuck yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So why absolutely. the fuck are you doing comedy? Well, you know, it's the adulthood I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no direction home, man. You know what I mean? Like, well, when you either get one or the other, you get a good childhood or a, a good adulthood. You can't get both. When did it's it start? Fair. When did the, uh, the adulthood the start for you? No, man, I, I you know, it's it's like, uh, when did adulthood start for you? That's like, that's like a roundabout way of asking when I got laid. <laughs> when, when did you become a man? <laughs> When, <laughs> when did you become a man? When, when was your first time? Yeah. Hmm. Be, it'd be sick if I told you some like terrible molestation story right now. Well, I was kidding. No, I don't know, dude. You're an Irish raised yeah, Catholic. Yeah, around a lot of priests. In, in, <laughs> the, the, in Massachusetts? In the, Massachusetts? Dude, the odds were high. That's, yeah. like, that's why I always have a problem when they say like, um, well, the odds of getting bitten by a shark is... is less than getting hit by lightning it's like yeah are we counting everyone or everyone standing knee deep in shark infested waters because if you're knee deep in shark infested waters i feel like the fucking chances skyrocket they do so yeah as an irish catholic uh boy in mass with thousands of shark-like priests just swarming no no luckily i i didn't have to go down my comedy would be better I feel like <laughs> I feel like if I could go back, maybe I'd you know like I don't know like Colin Quinn. I think Colin Quinn has a uh, a story. Yeah. I think Colin Quinn has like it might have been the story that kind of like was his like made him like he had he had like a molestation. Uh, well, thing. him and I know that uh, uh, God, what, I'm blinking on his name, Bobby, uh, Bobby something. 
Not Bobby Lee. No, no, not Bobby Lee. Yeah. Uh, uh, God. I, oh, oh, it's gonna kill me. I'll come back around to That's it. It's funny. You're like well, today you're on your description of the podcast, you're gonna be like, Roy stops by and talks molestation. <laughs> hey. And Catholic priests. Something about sharks and they're drinking whiskey. Yeah, but how the whiskey okay with you? Yeah, so far? yeah, it's good. Yeah, all yeah, right. yeah for sure. But all right, so so you're here. You're growing, you're growing up in, in Massachusetts. Yeah, you're yeah. Up and, and, uh, and I don't talk like Ted Kennedy. No. Was that the goal? <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, the way it works in Massachusetts, I'll tell people that Massachusetts, and they're yeah. like, "Oh, you don't have the accent." I'm like, yeah. "Bobby Kelly." It just hey, hit me. Bobby Comed- Kelly. Okay, comedian yeah, yeah, Bobby yeah, Kelly yeah, yeah. has a, a molestation uh, background. Uh, <laughs> a good, fo- a good, strong foundation <laughs> of molestation. Right. All right. Go, going back to what we're talking about just now. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, uh, the the. The Kennedy like accent that everyone knows, like the the Bo- like Southie Boston accent, is mm-hmm. it stops right around like Worcester, mm-hmm. like like in the state, and then as you go more west, you're just like like generic American. That's kind of you know what I mean. You don't have the little accent, but so for everyone who like lives like moves to Worcester, starts to like fake it and like lean hard, like they're Ben Affleck and Goodwill Hunting. You know what I mean? Like this terrible Southie fucking fake accent. But no, I was able to uh, skip it for sure. All right, yeah. and that was the goal after high school to play basketball. Um, you know what? I, I, it was like coming up. It kind of was because I was good, like um, generally good. And I, I, we had a three-on-three tournament out there called Hagus Hoops. It was a shit, and I uh, did good in that. Did good in the, the local league stuff. But then I had a coach who sent me to, um, I think it was sophomore year of high school, and I thought it was shit. You know what I mean? I thought it was a shit, and then, so he sent me to a five-star basketball camp, which is like. A, well known if there's any basketball fans out there who kind of follow like recruitment people coming up five stars like one of the camps like it's a really good camp and I was there for like two minutes playing just shooting around when I realized fuck there's like a whole nother level to this shit Mm. that I am not on (laughs) you know what I mean like uh so so it it was a wake-up call that like you're you know like all right all right bro you might you might be good like western Massachusetts where you know people have boots and snowmobiles and fucking drug problems but you're not gonna excel against someone who's like six four and and just you know way more gifted and talent you know what i mean it was like right. a wake-up call right. and the comics probably feel the same thing like there's times you think you're the shit and then someone goes up like a headliner and you're like oh yeah there's levels to this shit yeah yeah so uh and then, so what did you turn to afterwards then um, well, Five Star was cool because a couple things, a couple things. It's Well, there's kind of a segue there. Um, um, five Star was cool because I showed up. And when I was, like, going and I was all proud that I was going to go to Five I'm going to Five Star. And it was all the other players. I'm like, fuck you, man. Like, I don't want you to send you to Five Star. Blah, blah, blah. And, and uh, you were rubbing it on the their faces? Fuck? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Sports, man. It's all about fucking mind games and shit. That's what absolutely. you do, right? Fuck yes. Celebrate your victories, people. Don't be so humble all the time. <laughs> you know, but anyway, so um, so I'm getting ready to to you know go out there. I'm feeling good about myself, but all my friends are like, "Yo, you know you're gonna be the only white person out there, right?" I'm like, "What? That, that fucking is, what? What were you talking about?" Yeah, you're gonna be the only white person out there. You fucking better watch out. And I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" So I show up at the at the fucking camp. Sure enough, I'm like the only white guy there. There's maybe like four of us. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just just everybody's like everyone's black. I'm not even talking like Latino, like nothing. Like everyone is black. And they put you in these um, dorms of like um, two bunks, like twenty down, like kind of like you would see in a movie, like a, like an army movie, like the bunks, you know. But it wasn't it wasn't an army atmosphere. It was cool. It was like like laid back. And so I'm like, oh shit, okay, all right. And you know, I 
you know, didn't bother me in any way, but the fucking little voices in my head from the fucking people, you know, Boston Crabs back home to being like, oh, they're, you know, watch out. Turns out everyone was cool as fuck to me, like across the board, like, like super, super like laid back and fucking. So I come back from this camp talking like fucking Snoop Dogg, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, a, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, um, all the friends are like, what the f- hell, what the fuck are you talking like that and shit, blah, blah, blah. So I started kind of getting into hip hop and stuff at that point. You know what I mean? So I started oh. following hip hop and like kind of getting a little bit more into it. Cause it was, uh, uh, just, uh, inspiring to me. Some of the fucking, you know, lyrics being written, the fucking delivery. And this is, this is what is this like early 90s like late 80s it's nothing new i mean hip-hop had been fucking up and running right but uh so i started getting into that stuff and sort of hip-hop culture and 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 and, uh ended up getting into sort of the the arts for that reason and like uh editing doing music videos right like all that kind of stuff and so although you went to the five star camp and you, you did not make it through it's, you still garnish well, yeah, I mean, it was a just lot a camp. from it. Oh, yeah. Culturally. I, I think so. Because oh, I came yeah. back with like a whole, you know, I look like, I had like a little diamond earring. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I came back, like changed my style completely. And like, like you know, like. Uh, How could you even afford a diamond earring? No, it wasn't real diamond. Oh. It was like glass. You know, they put, you, you guys seen it. You guys been like to a sprint kiosk and you saw that like greasy dude with like the little stupid earring that was like. Was that holler, you? Holler into the 14 year old. Go, yeah. No, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like yeah, fucking saying. Uh, yeah. full, full wannabe, bro. Like came back. Oh. I still, I still fucking fall into it every now and then. And, uh, and, uh. Um, yeah, so I kind of came back with that, and uh, and uh, it, you know, um, it just kind of got into that culture a little bit, you know what I mean? So uh, uh, and started doing music videos, music and videos, stuff like that. Yeah, I went to a community college for a little bit, and then ended up uh, leaving, going back to a four year school, getting a real like film film degree. Which school shit. again? Uh, Coxwell College, Coxwell Poly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, um, cool. Great school. It's been a little private art school up in. Uh, How was that Saturday. experience? Uh, awesome. Because I figure outstanding. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, well, I mean, did, so I should back up a little bit. I had yeah. a kid during all this. Oh wow, we skipped that. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just start behind so I, that. So I had a kid. Did, did you get that? Kid. Did you get that also from the five star camp? <laughs> but hey, they, came I mean, back you know, with I'm a not, different not trying, way of speaking, <laughs> different way of dressing with the let's, kids. Hey, let's put it this way: the, the girls paid a little bit more attention. So let's yeah. not let's you know everyone might have been like, "Why is Rory talking like Snoop Dogg?" But yeah. Rory also ended up with a kid. So like, like okay, like, no, but you know, um, so I ended up uh, uh, going to community college, but then dropping out because didn't work, and then life happened. Had kids, had to work. Had or I had one kid and I had to work. Uh, what line so, of work did you get into? Uh, <laughs> I uh, um, a lot of shitty jobs, man. A lot of shitty like kitchen jobs early on. Like uh, like like I dishwashing was a prep or cook, dishwasher, cooking? prep yeah. cook, bus boy. Like I know I know all that shit about everything behind. Yeah, man, I've been there. Yeah, I know yeah. all that shit, and I know you know basically a bunch of an, again a bunch of drug addicts and alcoholics hanging out out back. <laughs> you know what I mean? McManus's hey, restaurant. What's up? Some of the listening? funniest people I've met work in the kitchen. No, no, it was cool. It was cool, yeah. and it's like it's kind of like you're working on a submarine with someone because it's like really tight spaces and fucking hot and fucking everyone. You know, like stakes are high because it's the fucking breakfast hour. You know what I mean? Like, so it was kind of good training for life. But then I got a, I uh, worked at a video store. I did all kinds of shit. But, a uh, video a, store, yeah, American oh. American Video Center in Dude, San Jose. That's that's um, that's a, that's such a shame. We don't have that because that's that's where like a lot of like film culture, here's, here's, yeah, kind of expanded. I, I guess it's like I I have an you know I have a 19 year old daughter now, so so I I see culturally a lot of like Gen Xers and even you know, um, 
even older, a little bit younger, kind of give a little bit of nostalgia to things like video stores like that. And they're like, oh, these kids will never know. Millennials this, millennials that. And I'm kind of like, I guess video stores are cool, but I feel like Netflix is way fucking better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I can mm -hmm. click on any movie. You're, you're telling me... Any, I, I get what you're saying about well, the experience. But, it, but, you know, you're standing in line with your stupid yeah. little fucking, you know, blockbuster shit and, like, maybe a Butterfinger and and, and, well, and Armageddon's out, so you had to settle for, like, fucking dude. Under Siege 2. And, 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 and everyone's pissed off and in line. Then you get yeah. up there and they're like, eight ninety five for a late fee. And you're, yeah. you're like, what? I only have eight like six bucks and you have to put back your butterfinger and now you know, you know what I mean? sure. then you get home and the fucking tape doesn't work right or the dvd's scratched oh, that's the worst. so yeah i guess i guess the ambiance i'll miss but uh, uh netflix is way better i mean i agree netflix is a lot more convenient yeah well not only convenient but imagine if you had a video store the size of netflix so mm -hmm. just think about that so it's like costco it's got three floors right. it's all the movies right. all of them but my favorite memories of video stores is just walking on the aisles and judging the movies by by, hey, the, by me, the covers. Dude, me too, bro. Touching like, it, hey, like reading it. I, I say that, that just it, as a caveat because yeah. I'm an old man, and yeah. now now you and me can go and, and and you know do this nostalgia shit. You know what I'm saying? But like like um, what video store did you work for? American you? Video Center in uh, San Jose. It was the largest video store in Northern California. Where was that located? Uh, there was two locations. There was one off of Almaden where uh, the Britannia Arms is. Uh, okay. There's like a dollar store. That dollar store used to be American Video Center. And then they moved up to, uh, I think, Cambrian and Union area for mm -hmm. a little bit. But that was their thing, they would say. They had this big thing like, biggest video store in Northern California. And uh, you'd look around and you're like, that's pretty big. They were counting the porn room in the back. The porn room was like twice the size of the regular room. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, because, it, because it, was a, it was half porn... Um, their regular video store was cool as fuck. Like, we had Faces of Death. We had, like, all the early UFCs. We had the shit you were not going to find at Hollywood or Blockbuster. Like, we had we had this, all the NC-17 shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Criterion Collection. All of them. Like, nice. all of them. <laughs> Beginning to end. You know what I mean? Uh, so, it, it was it was cool. Is that what influenced you to go into school for, like, uh, video production? Well, yeah. I always wanted to make, you know, make movies. And uh, it was, like... 90s so I was like Quentin Tarantino you know video store guy makes good that was kind of like the guy well, well that's know? the thing man it's like 90s was the renaissance of independent filmmaking yeah yeah absolutely um, without a doubt and, and mean, you caught on to the wave huh uh, I you know I just was inspired by it and then I went to went to you know film school and made a bunch of shorts a um, bunch of short films. My student films are yeah. fucking ridiculous. Some now, of them are awesome, but some of them are, are, are really just like student filming. Were you guys doing it digital or were you guys still using we, film? So Cogswell had just, they were ahead of the curve. They they were using things like mini DV. Oh, I, I, I remember mini DV. But, but they were the first They were the first to go to those like old P2 cards too. Like, yeah. like when I was there, it was called digital motion picture. That was a degree. It was a bachelor's in digital motion picture. So they, they saw everything coming and every, like to a T, like tapeless environments, like like even having that those two words together is ridiculous now. But be, there was a time where everything was on tape, mm -hmm. like it wasn't all digital, you know. And had a really good experience. Uh, then you had to do with the firewire. Firewire, fuck yeah! Firewire, transferring the footage. Yeah, and watch out. Better not. Forever. Don't, don't plug in your firewire when your drive's on. That shit'll yeah. spark and die. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, it's that easy. Yeah, man. Oh my god, I remember those days. Oh man, Jesus, remember? Yeah, and then you had to. You'd have like a box of mini DV tapes, and then. 
a big external hard drive, that was, uh-huh. and then on, you'd stack that one on top of the other one next to your mini DV box. Right. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, oh, I think it's back there. You know? Yeah. What kind of films were you making? Um, a lot of like knockoff shit. Like I was super. I was a big like Wes Anderson fan. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson fan too. Um, that kind of stuff. So so real like paying attention to composition and where things were in the frame, which, which is composition, but you know like what was actually in the frame, uh, set design, that kind of stuff. So made some short short films, a bunch, a bunch of music videos. Um, um, yeah, that's where I got into the hip hop scene out here. I was doing music videos for a bunch of a bunch of people um, out here uh, who, while who, I was going to school. Who were some of the first uh, people you met in the hip hop scene? Uh, Dirt. Dirtbag Dan. Dirtbag Dan? Yeah. People First your collaborator? Yeah. Uh, well, he went to school with me. He was at the same school. So that's where oh, we at, met. Oh, at the film school? Yeah. That's where oh. I met. Yeah. So we uh, we teamed up and did a bunch of projects and, uh, you know, you know, ended up becoming buddies and, you know, uh, ended up kind of just hanging out in the battle scene. People were always like, you're a battle rapper? I'm like, no. I just have some friends that are battle rappers. Relax, you know? If they were plumbers, I'd have like a plumbing podcast. You know what I mean? Right. I'd be helping them with their like plumbing business cards on Photoshop. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Uh, but they just happened to be into that shit, so it, it just matched up. But it was great because um, the way film school works is you need projects to work on to yeah. get your grades. So if you have content like music or uh, other creative people to sort of put into your into your work, it was really helpful. How did you approach creating music video? On your uh, own? It was always just kind of like put the song on for a few days and listen to it and just see what kind of comes up in the different states your mind can be put in. Uh, over a 48 to 72 hour period you sort of start to flesh out what you want to see and like what would be cool um, and then also when you have a budget and you're you're working with with a low budget um, you have to sort of almost work backwards you have to think about what you have access to and then sort of go backwards from there so yeah your world war ii submarine short might be tight but oh your uncle has a cabin in the woods you might want to do a fucking kukui fucking movie instead you know what i'm saying like like think about what you got and work backwards so it was a lot of that so it was like it was thinking about what your resources were and then taking taking a couple steps back and then also listening to the music and getting inspired that way Mm -hmm. when did podcasting first came into uh into view for you well shit we've been doing we've been doing our show for years um i think i think I think honestly, I was a Howard Stern fan, like super early on. Yeah, and I would call Howard Stern. This is stupid. Don't tell. Say. I know where you're going. With yeah, this. well, he will hate you. If yeah, you, but yeah, well, if, if, if you even insinuate hate, that his his hates, show is a he, podcast, he hates himself so much. He it doesn't even matter. He hates it, the hate hate doesn't even. matter. You know, he hates podcasts. But it, right? it's the first where I yeah yeah. But it but it's the first one where the, the podcast was like podcast was like the little gremlin like popped out of his fucking little mogwai ass. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like. Like he created podcasts, so he can he can hate them all he wants, but he was the first one to have like like that sort of level of just a, a hangout, like fucking talking, uh, being authentic. Um, they were still trapped in some radio stuff. They do like little bits, you know. They have to do their little bits. Um, but it was the first time that I, you know, I really got into radio and the idea that like having a cool conversation and not so much Stern's bits and the stripper shit. Although when you're 13, that shit's fire. But like. Um, the the guests he would have on like a, a celebrity guest would come on and say the wildest shit he would just be able to talk to him and you'd hear like John Stamos talking about like fucking how he'd while out while they're filming film you know what I mean like mm-hmm. you're like whoa so I, I that's when I got into the radio format 
So the first time it was like super early on, and um, I think it was like Joe Rogan podcast. It like kind of just started. Yeah. And uh, there was a Kevin Smith podcast kind of before that. So this is around like 2012. <sighs> yeah, it was 13. Yeah. 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 No. It was super early. 2010. Might, might I don't know. My uh, brain's got holes in it. You know. Yeah. What I mean? um, <laughs> but it, it was a while ago. So um, I remember uh, Dirt was just starting to do some like like. He or he had a YouTube page up and would post his stuff. We put his music videos on there and stuff. But he did like a blog, and it was like, oh shit, we should do a podcast instead. So we just um, really threw a lot at the first episode. Like if you look at our first episode, it shot on a DSLR. The audio is like sick. It's coming off a board. We lit the studio. Like we went all in. And so the first episode was like amazing. But then we realized with a podcast, it's all about streaming down your production lift making it as easy as possible because it's not about like one good podcast it's about hitting like 500 you know what i mean it's a, a body, body of work, of work. yes yeah, yeah. exactly well you got you know you know what episode is this uh, i don't know it's gonna be like 100 and something yeah something 100 and to, to, to get to 100 so our plan our plan was always like let's not worry about nothing let's get to episode 100 that's mm-hmm. what we said so we're at like 115 now and still rolling and you uh, guys were like the i think you guys were the pioneers of local podcasting here in san jose i don't, I don't know anyone else who was doing it on the level we were yeah absolutely well, not i would i would put our our podcast against look at see this is that east coast shit i'm like i'm comparing podcasts like there's some fucking well, terrible I, well, I terrible competition I mean, to win best i mean I, I think it's important to be a <laughs> aware of other podcasts yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like I tune yeah. in with other podcasts just to see that what my content is different I just yeah. want to make sure you know we're I'll not just check out like, like hey, do I like this vibe you know uh, what I mean? but yeah. like like before I got to podcasting I had no idea a lot of people were into podcasting here locally like I yeah. like for me, oh well tech, you know and once is... I got into it once I, I went to that rabbit hole I was like wow there's a lot of people involved in this mm-hmm. and, and, and early and, early adopters out here right it's a yeah. Silicon Valley shit it's but, like, but you like, guys were doing this when like I felt like nobody was doing this at least yeah, I, I we didn't know we didn't have anyone else around us that was doing it. Like we know we know we didn't invent podcasting. We're aware. We, we you know we, like any anyone listening was about to like oh, fuck you like 1982 fucking Ebenezer <laughs> Fitz just Fitzgibbons had for you know whatever. But uh, none of our friends did. Um, most people when you back then you had to tell them what a podcast where they're like Pfft. you know what I mean. You might as well have been handing them like a homemade like zine you know what I mean? like zine you know what I mean? like here you go um so so but that was kind of cool because we got through the growing pains of it so when people in the last two or three years started to be like up on podcasts and like the format and stuff they tuned into our stuff and it was like mm-hmm. oh, okay this is like on that level like we're on itunes we have a youtube right. we're youtube live now um check out check out um the channel i uh, just look up counterproductive on uh on youtube or dirtbagdanceshow.com um uh yeah we're on the podcast you know app like look it up there too and just check it out wait hold on hold on sometimes these mics get sensitive to the rattling oh yeah okay yeah. Uh, my production value is nowhere near as your guys is no, right? no this ain't no, hey, no actually no it's studio. not it's not <laughs> it's just what, what, what was the feedback at the time when you started the podcast well it's and, a battle and, rap podcast so it was negative like people what do you mean negative rap, oh, dude battle rap fans immediately are like your fucking lighting sucks like like go to any battle on YouTube and read the comments. Yeah. But it's not like you have to look past that in terms of like like that's just that culture a little bit. It's a little bit like if it's really sick they'll they'll tell you. But early on we had a lot of growing pains so they would tell you and that's what's cool. That's what I actually like about that. But did you like, fi- did you if feel- the lighting did suck the right. sound wasn't where it needed to be and they were fucking right. You know what I mean? But did you feel yeah. like the podcasting and you centered around battle rapping yeah. it helped build a community here in yes. San Jose? I th- oh um, because today Battle of the Zay um, yeah. two o'clock it's uh, one of the biggest cards. Well, uh, this is coming out next Sunday. 
Oh, is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Travel back in time. <laughs> Battle, Battle of Z9 a year from now. Uh, but, anyway, but yes, I think so. I think it helped it. I because mean, obviously, of... obviously, um, you know, Dirk put in all that work because I don't, I like, I like the podcast and stuff, but um, him, him and Andrew, the guy, the other producer, um, they, they run the events and uh, they just done, do a really good job. But I, I think, I think it helped. Like if anyone's thinking of doing a podcast and they're kind of like, I don't know what to do. Try to try to pick a little like like thing you're into as opposed to doing a general topic podcast. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Just like or, this one. Or no, well, this is you have comedians <laughs> on and stuff. It's really it's it's like it, it, to me this is more about the personalities. Yeah. Like each episode is a cool um, like archival sort of um, like attempt to sort of capture a cool conversation with people. You know what I mean? Right. So you don't come up and you're not asking me about like pop culture shit. You're not asking me about current events and shit. Right. You know what I mean? We're just hanging out right. and talking. So. But I, I do agree with you is that it, it, I think it's important to really tone down your, your niche, tone down your, your, yeah, I think initially. So here's, here's where we are. So we, we, we started out with that and kind of built the, built the, around the battle rap stuff. And it was like, it would make sense because a battle would come out and then they'd come on and talk about it. Or there'd be a fight at a battle and Ooh, everyone would talk about it. And dirt had access where he could call up the person in the fight and be like, what happened? You know what I mean? Uh So it was very Howard Stern like that. It was like, you got the behind the scenes, the real stories and there was beef and blah, blah, blah. So it was, it was inherently interesting, but we kind of grew out of that you know, at a certain point. So we've tried to um, kind of expand it out to be more comedy centric, you know what I mean? But with the battle as the foundation. Um, we started, Why did that move? Um, I think we just grew, uh, you you grow with your, your audience. I, th- I think that the battle rap kids aren't just into battle rap. Like they're into all sorts of hip hop, you know, uh, culture stuff, um, um, you know, whatever, whatever sort of dirt and the guys are into at that point. Um, translates to them, and, and so we've we've found you can kind of open up the content a little bit. So that's been cool. We've seen a pretty good uh, uh, feedback on that. But I think it helps if you're going to get to 100 episodes and like be able to talk for 100 episodes. Have something that you're like at least focused on initially mm-hmm. that will get you through those episodes. So you're not just like, you know, on some college radio like um uh well next we got um dilated pupils with um uh, Kelly Living. Uh, <laughs> And a big pause. Right. And then the song starts. (laughs) So, you know what I mean? Give yourself a little bit of focus, you know? Mm. Now, how did you guys dedicate the work? Because it seems like it's a fairly big operation for a podcast. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's grown grown into one now. I mean, I think initially it was me with a camera and uh, uh, our guy Skyler uh, running audio. And he was a a producer, so he really knew audio producer. Um, so he he had a board and the mics were always nice. Like like our audio was from day one was what kind was, of mics you guys were using. I don't know, man. Oh. Skyler's mics. Skyler's mics. <laughs> That's a good brand. Yeah, Skyler's mics were were, were amazing. Um, so yeah, we started there, but now we've got like a you know three person crew behind the camera. We run uh, you know like I said, we run it live. We're running graphics as we're going live. Oh, I think it dropped out. That's just the headphones. Oh, is it? All right. Yeah. Okay. Um, see, I'm producing. I know. You're like easy, buddy. You're not producing today. But yeah, so it's grown into like a you know a little bit bigger of an operation than, uh, um, yeah. And we we just started this pa- Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Yeah, yeah, we just started it. We have like sixty people. It's like seven hundred a month, six hundred a month, something like that. Nice. And we just started it, so that's nice. We got sponsors coming in, do a little YouTube money. You know what I mean? When did so. stand up come into the picture? Uh, for me, about two years ago. Two, three years ago, I uh, we we're all hanging out at the studio, and uh, I'd always wanted to try it, so. Uh, my my buddy Caustic, Skyler, and Dirt were and Abel, 
our, our, our little group there. Uh, we're all hanging out, and I was like, hey, we should try stand-up. And they're like, all right, cool. And they were kind of into it, too. So we would uh, meet up and run little sets to each other and just rip each other apart. We did that for like three or four months before we even hit our first mic. So we came out. We came out. I did brainwash the first time. Oh yeah. And I went up, but I was kind of like ready because I was like, I you know, like the five biggest assholes ever had told me how much I sucked for like two months. So I was like, whatever, brainwash. Like fuck you. Why well, brainwash? Because <laughs> um, we typed in stand up open mics and it came up like first. Uh-huh. Like we we didn't know shit. I didn't, uh-huh. I hadn't heard of Caravan. I didn't know about Woodhams. I didn't know about Frascati. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know right. about any of that. So Brainwash came out. We're going to Brainwash, guys. So we just show up and uh, Tony Sparks, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so he's signing up people on the street. So we just stood in line. Like, how long have you guys been doing stand-up? We're like, does the clock start yet? Because we didn't go on stage yet. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. So Brainwash was the first time we jumped in there. And, yeah, I ate a plate of shit. It was terrible. You know? But you caught the bug. Caught the bug and was not concerned about audience reaction um, in, in that sense early on. You know, obviously I want people to laugh. Um, but mm-hmm. I, it wasn't like I was going to go up there and do badly and come off like, oh, I'm going to go to law school. You know, this isn't working out. You know, uh, so yeah, it was good. It, like I got like a, like one or two like like polite like giggles. And that was enough to be like, Polite yes, giggles. I need more polite giggles. Mm. That's what I need. And then, yeah, just, just from there, just kept writing and you know found mics that you didn't have to drive 45 minutes for yeah. sounds like sounds like you and Dirtbag Dan are like have been entwined together for a long time oh, you guys you, sound hella sexual well you guys are you know go, enter, enter go to school together you, yeah you I, guys think, I think on the creative creative side in terms of the podcast stand up together stand-up. yep yep podcasting absolutely. together absolutely yeah yeah no you need you need uh, you need you know um you know creative little tribe man like like I always you know like I said back to when I was fucking in the summer and five or six kids would just show up and we'd be like let's do this you know it's I, I like that I like that collaborative sort of feel um, that whole like just kind of rolling around by yourself and you know showing up at mics like fucking half drunk shit I'm not feeling like I'd rather I'd rather work on some shit and roll through with the crew and like fucking have a great time and and you know then everyone's driving home like fucking half half in the bag like talking shit about what happened you know I'd rather that than just roll up solo so yeah yeah I find I find uh, like collaborative uh, artistic endeavors are, are more meaningful um, mm-hmm. than sort of solo like look what I did you know so. now going back to your podcasting do you felt like the rap uh, battle rap scene in San Jose has grown since you started podcasting uh, well there's you know it's like it's there's a well-documented West Coast uh, battle rap scene that has been around way before the podcast. Uh, it's referred to as Fresh Coast. Um, there's been Battle of the Bay in Oakland. There's there's a long, proud history of battle rap uh, through like the Grind Time era stuff before the podcast. But I think as far as San Jose itself goes, absolutely. I mean, they're the you know Counterproductive, which is uh, the our sort of production label that we put on all that stuff. Um, started with bots one you know years ago and there it was a few people showed up blah 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 and now it's it's bots eight today and uh you know it's uh at least quadrupled <laughs> you know like uh so it's it's growing yeah i think i think it's uh, definitely inspired some some people to at least put recognize san jose as one of the places where battle rap is sort of active you mm-hmm. know you know and so. I noticed that you don't have a, a name. You don't have like a, a but stage I'm not name. A battle rapper, like I said. Like Do you I have said, to be a battle rapper? No, 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 no. This, 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 ha- like, like, um, 
people think that because you know yeah. I wear the hat and I'm like look at me and I talk like an asshole and I go up there <laughs> I don't know about that you know what I mean like so like what's your rap name no never no one gives me a rap name like they, like a I, hype man name? like how do you even do that like at this point like I'm an older man like how would I like hey man call me you know Clorox too from now on you know like like how do you how do you like introduce the idea that you're gonna call me a different name like uh, like you would have to do that early on what's like the worst rap name you heard oh there's Johnny Maserati that's pretty bad why it just it's just so it rhymes like, yeah but Johnny it seems Maserati. like where you would start like you're like all right I like I like Maserati's Johnny that's Maserati. too corny he's already yeah, saying it's just too like too too obvious I don't yeah. know there's a lot of like there's a lot of like digits and numbers that don't make sense it's like you know what I mean? it's like cx4 you're like i guess that means something you know what i mean yeah. i don't know quite what I mean, i'm sure someone will explain it to me but unless you like unless you got like a hip-hop or like rap or battle name when you were like five yeah. <laughs> you were introduced that way like i'm not gonna go back and be like hey bro call me cx1 from now on like like be respectful you know but i i'm not you know i'm not a battle rapper you know mm. what i'm saying i'm a, a tv producer first uh my friends are into that, so I produce a podcast that happens to be around that. But I, I, I like I like and respect the culture, but I dip mm-hmm. in and dip out because it's not it's not my place, you know. I and mean? I show up at battle events, and people think that someone's stepdad's there to pick them up. <laughs> you know what I mean? A little bit too old, you know what I mean? Like a little bit sure. too old. They're like, hey, CX One, your your stepdad's here. He now, looks pissed. Now, when you uh, when you started transitioning to more creative fields, was yeah, your yeah. family supportive? Like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like, yes, like uh, uh, music in the arts, uh, Irish community and culture was always super. Like, there's always like uh, Irish rebel songs, like about killing English people on at all times. Um, uncles were musicians. Like, performing the arts was always like totally an option. Oh, wow. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. In fact, it was almost. My dad would do this weird thing. Like, it'd be they would have poker nights like on a Friday night. And uh, everyone just kind of come around and play poker and, you know, smoke cigarettes, drink beers and blah, blah, blah. So it was like kids everywhere running around the house and they're all playing poker. And it's like fucking smoke filled room and stuff. So eventually it would like, like devolve into all the older Irish guys singing Irish rebel songs. You know what I mean? Like Sniper's Promise and shit like this. Like just these fucking ballads of like pain and suffering. But my dad would make the kids like, like, like you had to like kind of perform something. You had to like say a poem or like tell a joke or like sing a song wow you didn't have to like if a kid was shy you didn't have to but it was like yeah it was on so a lot of the kids i have i have triplet um cousins and uh we were like the same age and we'd all have sort of something ready you know what i mean like you know a poker night's coming up i better get like this song ready like you know what i'm saying like like i i sang like a shitty like chris christopherson song once and i remember being proud of like setting it up and like being being ready to go and then when I sang it I like fucking choked and like <laughs> my voice went up nine octaves out of like nervousness you right know? like oh Bill Brown you know like you know and uh but they didn't care they're like yeah you know cause they're, you yeah. know seeing your heart out kid kind of, yeah so yeah so there was a little bit of that it was always supportive and performing was always sort of you know um not expected but encouraged you know? was your father a musician no just nope. your uncles, just my uncles. Yeah, yeah. My my dad, my dad was like uh, definitely like a, like a humanities and arts guy though. Like he had an appreciation for for music and poetry and shit like that. Yeah. You know, which I didn't get the poetry shit. I never got. My dad was the only one who'd be like, really, like a poet, like this poet. It was an some uh, Irish shit. I mean, be like, I mean, considering that you're into rap, don't you think there's no? There's... But whose dad is like fucking talking about poetry and shit? You know what I mean? It always kind of threw me off. Like ah. 
and and because he was an Irish immigrant, it was like a lot of shit like that. And it wasn't on some like like oh this poem. They they would be like they'd be like historical documents talking about things that happened in Ireland. It was like part of some sort of tradition, right? Mm-hmm. So he'd be kind of presenting that. But I'm like. I'm like, Eric's dad plays baseball with them, dad. Like, <laughs> they throw, like, this thing called a fucking baseball. Uh, my, dad, yeah. my dad would be like, baseball's for pussies. Like, Let's look at this poem. <laughs> I'm like, but it's a what? <laughs> Have you ever visited your, your uh, Ireland? Yeah, a couple of times. It's kind of awesome. How was that experience? It was it was awesome. I liked it a lot. It, it's like, it's weird to go to a place and be like, oh, yes. Okay, this makes sense. You know? Well, I remember, I remember the, watching Spongebob with my daughter like when she was young and yeah. Squidward goes to this town and it's all other Squidwards like <laughs> he's like he's loving it for like a day he's like fucking they're all playing clarinet like it's a shit yeah. but two days later he's like sick of it he's like it's just too the same you know what I mean and that's mm-hmm. kind of that's kind of what it felt like when I'm, uh, so initially it was like oh this is amazing but then after a while I was like yo like everyone looks like me like a lot yeah, you know what I mean. Like in the airport, there's five people with big ears and like super pale. I'm like, oh shit. Now, what, yeah. what part of Ireland is your family from? Donegal. Where's what? Uh, Donegal? Is like the more most north you can go in Free Ireland, like right before you hit the border of Northern Ireland. Oh wow. Yeah, so it's like right on there. My parents used to have to drive uh, through checkpoints, British military checkpoints. Um, to oh, they're home. right in it, man. Yeah, no, right in it during the troubles too. Like during the troubles, the IRA, all that, my, all that, all that's all that's in play. Do you, yeah. you got any family members in the IRA back in the day? You know, I, people. So it's like the mob. It's like people. People like to imply that they are. You know what I mean? They'll be like, oh yes, you know, he he supports he supports our boys. That's like they'll say shit like that. So you don't know. Like, I would hear all kinds of stuff as a little kid, but you didn't know who was a drunk uncle just trying to, like, put it on and who was, like, a fucking real-ass uncle who was actually involved. You know what I mean? Right. So right. it was hard It was hard to tell. Um, so I guess, but I, I, there's no way to confirm that, so I don't want to sound like I'm trying to rep that either. But it was definitely, like, a pro, pro-Ireland, pro uh, Ireland first kind of, kind of thing. You know, uh, um, out there in, in one Ireland, and, like, the English were the enemy, and... Uh, I remember, I remember one of my uncles once telling me, if I'm ever in the room with the queen, like, in the room with the queen, slap her. Just like, like, you're at a meet and greet, like, whatever fucking happened in your life. You know what I mean? I'm at American Video Center, maybe, and the queen wants to get, like, fucking, you know, princess diaries or something. Right. And if I'm in the room, I'm supposed to go over and slap her, and I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, because you'll be the king of Ireland forever. He's like, you might, if you slap her, it's like a couple of years, and we get out. Everyone in Ireland will love you. You know, it was, that, it was like that level of shit. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Took me, it took me years to like kind of deprogram and be like, okay, English people, you know, like I'm not supposed to hate them just outright. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Still do. Like I see a Union Jack, I'm like, fuck. How did he even explain that situation to you as a kid? Uh, that they were, by singing crazy Irish rebel songs about how awful uh, English soldiers were and, and hearing stories about my parents having to come back from, you know, um, visiting family and coming through two or three checkpoints and having the British soldiers be assholes the entire time at gunpoint. You know what I mean? They, they're checking your papers at gunpoint. And, you and you know, some of them are like 19, 20-year-old kids that are just like not all there. So they start fucking with you and stuff. So we'd hear like really crazy stories, you know. Um one of my uncle's buddies got his eye fucking bashed in and uh, has one one glass eye now because because uh, of that shit, you know. Um, so it's it's just that it was just ingrained in the and and also probably most likely because we were in America, they overcompensated, so they wanted to make sure the kids, you know, got some real Irish history and culture. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So they they would kind of overdo it and uh, really lean in on the sort of Irish nationalism. And so we had this really purified form of like hatred, <laughs> you know, um, coming out of that. But then nowhere to put it because like at best I could be upset someone was wearing British knights. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like that'd be, you know, there was no context for my, you know, right. uh, being an Irish rebel sitting in Massachusetts of all places, you know what I mean? Now, is your daughter's uh, mom in the picture? Yeah. Yep. 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 I, we have two kids. I got a 19 year old and a five year old. Same, same uh, mom. Is she Irish? Uh, she's not. Well, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So she's Irish, Polish, and French. Oh wow. Yeah. So do you, which you, means she's hot as fuck. <laughs> she's so she's super hot. That's good. Yeah, people man. people met Kim like, well, how did he pull that off? How did you pull it off? Uh, chin strap beer and a little little fake diamond earring, <laughs> and uh, all the game I learned at Five Star. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's how. <laughs> no, but have you ever thought of passing this on to your kids? Like this this Irish family history. Um, I tried, but it's so diluted. It's sort of like, it's like super in, in like non-factual and based on like, ju- like I passed the hate on for sure, <laughs> uh-huh. but not none of the history and none of the experience. So I, I think, I think at this point, um, it's probably pretty common with any, any sort of immigrant story by the second generation, third generation, it's really watered down. Right. And these are, these are American kids, you know, even with me, I'm, a, I'm American. Like if we're, if we're really peeling back the layers, like I was born here, I grew up here. You right. know what I mean? So, so do you feel like you're not really on to holding on to that cultural identity of, of being from Irish? Ireland? Uh, no, I, I'm, I'm proud about it, but it's on the, like, I'll buy a Notre Dame hat kind of level. You know what I mean? Okay. I won't send money back to fight, like, you know, uh, you know, any causes right now. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm down. Like, if there's an Irish, like, conscription draft, I might go. <laughs> I'm just going to play. <laughs> yeah. I, I have dual citizenship, though. Oh, For yeah. that reason, yeah, if you can get your lineage, I think, back to uh, grandparents, uh, you can be a, a citizen of Ireland. So you wow. get your, you're part of the Euro or European yeah. Union and all that, so. I've never like taken advantage of it, but shit gets too shifty here. I'm out. Mm. Now, how is it raising kids while also pursuing these like creative <sighs> dreams? Well, bro, try being 19 and raising anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, like everyone, everyone, anyone who's over 19 or 19 or above, think about adding a baby to that situation. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean it. It, it initially, I mean, I think, I think, luckily, I, I'm, I'm very lucky. Kim. Um, has a good sort of moral compass and has always been the, had the ability to sort of like bring me back, <laughs> bring me back to earth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, because um, I yeah. think it's important that you even regardless of your kid, you know, you need to follow your. I wouldn't say leave the kid, but what I'm saying is you need to get involved with what you, your passion because I think that's where a lot of resentment comes from from yeah, people who have yeah, kids. And, uh, okay, and so they grow up and then they perfect. blame the kids for them not being no, able exactly, to do what they want to do exactly. in life. Exactly, and I think Kim recognized that and I recognize that. That uh, And uh, don't don't get me wrong, there's times where I'm at a video shoot in like like East Oakland outside like, you know, or over by like Nexus Studio. We're filming in a in, a, in an alley and it's like 1 a.m. because we haven't got the shot. And she's calling like, what the fuck's going on? I'm like, we're getting the shot. And she's like, you sure you're not partying out there? And you know what I mean? Like, so... There was definitely times times where there was some growing pains, but um, I was always sort of still able to. It's not like, hey, I have to go work in the coal mine now. I've got a family, <laughs> right? So, right. Um, it, yeah. So I, it, it was definitely a constant, like, do right by the kid, but also make sure you're doing right by your own mental um, um, health. And mm-hmm. and for me, I had to be involved creatively with stuff, or I was going to be a terrible father. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. So I, I, I feel like I've said you know what I mean a thousand times. Actually, the first like should, time I heard it. So, so it should be called the drinking game. Like every time I say you know what I mean, people should drink and they'll just <laughs> fucking be hammered. Um, uh, but, but so I think you have to keep that creative sort of drive going. So, right. Yeah. All right. To cool. be a good present person when you have like real responsibilities. Because I think a lot of people like use that, like you're saying, as an excuse. And they're like, they want to blame the kid and say, oh, I didn't, I didn't become a, a figure skater because mm-hmm. I had a kid. It's like, bitch, you were never a figure skater to begin with. You didn't take one figure skating class. Like, you yeah. thought about it once and then had a kid, and now you're going to blame the kid that you're not yeah. a figure skater? That's, that's all right. I get some of that from my dad, man. My dad, my dad really? yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, he was my age or younger. He was really into drumming, and he would talk about how he would, like, drum for big bands around here, and yeah. he really thought he had potential, and then he was like, but then I had you and your sister. Well, you can, you can so, check well. that out. As a dad, I know that that's just, like, some, you know, he, basically, I, I would take it as this. He just wants to tell you that, yeah, he used to be cool. I used to drum. That's yeah. really what he's saying there. Well, I understand And you're that interpreting now. it. You're taking that second but, part, and you're right. being like, Oh man, I fucked it up. But he doesn't really mean that because if what? he wanted to do, if he wanted to be a sick ass drummer, right? Keep going. He could be. How? What is he? Where, where is he now? It's like in the late fifties. But he could still but, be but, a sick ass drummer. But that's he my be, point. He could though. be the illest drummer in like fucking Cinnabar's fucking wedding band, right. just killing it. You know what I mean? Like, right. what's stopping him now? But, but that's what I'm saying. Though. So what's the reason right now? Is, is like now? Oh, wait a minute, I'm in your house. You could be like right no, there. No, he's not here. He's like <laughs> over there. He's like he's holding drumsticks, looking at me like fuck you. <laughs> no, like like now, like I understand. I'm an adult. And I got my own creative aspiration, so I, I've grown to um, not pity, but understand the man, okay. understand the father. Yeah, yeah. But you know, growing up, that really did hurt my feelings. Oh, how could that not? Yeah. Like, sorry. No. And then you're like, wait a minute, do I have to drum now? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never got into it. Do I have to? Do I have to make this happen? Yeah. That's interesting. So that was like a, that was an ongoing sort of through line, like a like a like it came up a couple times. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it looks like you didn't have that case, and it looks like you no, didn't, quite you, the opposite. You, you didn't quite the opposite. And, and you're not passing Dude, my down. Parents, my parents are the type where if I was like, I was like, I, I got, I don't know what happened. I killed a guy. Like I don't know what to do. They'll, they'd be like, Where are you? We're coming. And they'd like, we'd be throwing a body over a bridge. Like nice. they'd supportive no matter what. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just for you though that it's a good thing that you you're not doing it to your children. Like it's no, if no, any, if not anything, you're setting an example. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, uh, my my oldest daughter, um, the first time she saw me do stand up was at the San Jose Improv uh, comedy competition. It was mm-hmm. like the third round, I think, second, third round, whatever. And uh, first time she'd ever seen it, and I was kind of like cool, but I, I was still easing into like, you know, it's my daughter sitting out there. It changes stuff, and and half of my contents about a daughter and being a you know what I mean so it's right. very like it's crazy just to think that she was showing up fucking won the competition not the competition but that round I got first place for that round and got into the finals and uh and I was like I got you know when I came out and I talked to her I was like never come to another one of these again it'll never it'll never get better than that <laughs> you're no longer allowed you cannot come out to like you uh, know, yeah. some some empty ass place where there's more furniture than people and uh, so yeah yeah so it, it was a trip it was a trip and I but I hope I hope I've I've been expressed to her that you know we'll support her if she wants to be creative she wants to be a doctor she wants you know whatever um, but then also set a good example where she can come out to those kind of events and, and see you know working towards something because she she knows I was preparing for it and mm-hmm. doing mics and stuff and you know all right so I think I think it was a good example Rory we are reaching the hour yeah. mark oh awesome but before we get out of here one last question is 
go back in time, go to that kid who's like spending the summer with like six other kids, at what, six year old, five year old, what's some advice you would give yourself? Just keep doing what you're doing. It's it works out. <laughs> it works out. <laughs> yeah. Easier said. I know. It works out. That's that's so fucking scary for me. Because you, you go through a lot of shit in life, and then you hear some say say you hear someone say, "Dude, it works out." You're like, "Fuck you." What does that mean? But, <laughs> but then when you go through it, you're like, "Yeah, it kind of yeah, does." Out, hey, we're all gonna die in a Kaiser. A Kaiser Hospital, and and if you're lucky, your like grandkids will show up and tell the nurse to, to give you more morphine, and you'll gurgle it up, and you'll slowly die at like 2 a.m. And nobody's gonna give a fuck who was a drummer, who played basketball, you know what I mean? Like who had kids when? Like you, you, it's fucking, you know, we, it, it's all a blip, you know. So there's no reason to worry about it. Just focus on some cool shit and move forward, and that's it. Oh, that was a good note to end on. Rory Campbell, thank you for coming. Dude, this uh, was a blast. This was a blast. Where can people check out your stuff? Uh, if you can uh, follow me at uh, uh, King Red Rory and uh, Rory Campbell on Facebook. Um, uh, yeah, King Red Rory on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, DirtbagDanShow.com. Check out the podcast we were talking about. And uh, yeah, that's, what, that's what's up. All right, man. Thank you for coming. Thank you. What a cool guy, right? Rory Campbell, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for listening in. And thank uh, Rory Campbell for coming by and chatting it up with me. Um, you can follow Rory Campbell. Just follow him on uh, his productions on YouTube. Uh, check out Counterproductive. They got some great content. Everybody should go check it out. And uh, I guess I'll see you guys till next week. Next week we have a musician. And actually uh, it's a musician who's a good friend of mine. Uh, recent collaborator of mine and uh, he's awesome so see you guys next week